0: Hello, world. Welcome to. I wouldn't quite go with the world. Well, you know, I mean. Hello, 10 people. My parents. <laughs> you might want to talk in your mic a little more. Hey, sorry. You know, my parents, maybe Kyle, Kurt. A couple people that I know. Yeah. Maybe. Well, people without lives. Welcome. <laughs>
1: Off and off.
0: This is the first episode slash preview episode of the Black and White Theology podcast. Yep, yep. Recording live. It's not live, but in person.
1: Yeah, man.
0: In Lansing, Michigan. The Lansing, Michigan. The Lansing, Michigan. Capital of the mitten. You got it. I am Noah Filipiak. I am here with Tyler St. Clair.
2: Mm-hmm. We are
0: both pastors. Yeah, man. We both started churches. And we are both black.
1: (laughs) One of those statements is not true.
0: (laughs) Black and white theology is called that because uh, I'm white, Tyler's black. Uh huh. And often, I've noticed when we talk about theology, we don't do it together. Yeah. Is that a problem?
1: That's a big problem. Why is that? Well, I mean, I think that that's the issue, that's the issue with our country and why we disagree so much. Mm -hmm. We talk around each other um, and at each other, but not with each other. Yeah. And in the church,
0: you often, what I've noticed in the church is you have white Christians who think that they know what it's like to be black in America. And so we often think that only affects... Current issues Mm -hmm. when there's a police brutality case or something like that, and you'll have white Christians and they will say, they will say, well, the black and white experience are the same, or Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as you know white privilege or black like disadvantage. It's the same, or it's it's all individual level. There's nothing systemic about it. Or it's a thing of the past. It's a thing of the past. And my thing is like. I can't, as a man, I can't tell you what it's like to be a woman, and yeah. if if I tried, I would rightfully be, and women women would be angry. I mean, they would say, "Don't <laughs> you don't know what it's like?" Like, yeah, for real. For for, real. for you to say so would be arrogant. It would be you know and presumptuous. And that's what a lot of white folks do. And I think it's sad because all it really takes is getting together, having a conversation, being in community together, and then listening. Right. And learning and being humble enough to be like, oh, you know more what it's like to be black than I do, Tyler. Like, is that? Imagine that. Is that really a shock?
1: <laughs> Imagine that.
0: Right? Yeah. And so, though, and then, so obviously, with race issues or political issues, it's relevant, but also with theological issues, mm-hmm. it's relevant. Even the way we read the Bible, even the way we preach, right. it's relevant, right? Mm-hmm. So what we want to do with this podcast is two things. The name has a double meaning black and white theology means we're going to talk about every episode we're going to talk about a race related issue uh today and this is a preview episode but we are going to get into one the shooting in rochester hills as that is tyler's neck of the woods
1: about 35 minutes away suburb of detroit yeah yeah suburb of detroit Mm
0: -hmm. um and tyler's church is in detroit tyler grew up in detroit Mm -hmm. What do you think about when people say I'm from Detroit? I'm like, oh yeah, what part, and they're like, oh, I'm I'm from, and they they list the worst <laughs> <on> the <summer. laughs> It's it's funny.
1: It's it's funny. I know people who who represent Detroit or they talk about Detroit, um, but they're 35, 45 minutes away, and and that's fine. But then when it comes to uh, talking about issues that, um, issues that people in the, the city face right they they want to have an opinion about it or or uh they speak emphatically or they speak as as figures of authority and like, no, nah, you kinda live thirty five, forty five minutes away. So and you can rep the city if you because you like the tigers or the lions. Right. But when it comes to talking about the school system, when it comes to talking about the disenfranchisement, disen uh the people being disenfranchised in the city, how do you speak with the level of authority, and you and you're you're not engaged with these people, so it's just it's just it's funny to me. Uh, so I don't I just let it slide. I just nod and smile. <laughs> I'm getting better at that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh,
0: so that's one piece. Is we'll we'll talk about an issue of the day, and it might be a current event issue, or it might just be something related to race relations or multi ethnic church. For example, we won't talk about this today. But in a future episode, a, a soon episode, we will. One thing I want to talk about is often white folks will say, "Well, I don't see color." Mm-hmm. Do and this is a genuine question. Do people of color say, say that?
1: I've never <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I can't. I can't recall hearing a person of color yeah, say like that. Say I don't see color.
0: Yeah, um, I'm colorblind. blind. You know that kind of thing. So we'll, th- those are things we, want. we and we want to talk about it. I want to be up. Por- it's up important for me up front to say like this is hopefully, and it, if we do do this, it'll be because we struggle as well and 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 Definitely. we're fallen. But we want this to be an educational podcast. We don't want this to be a soapbox or a rant or a because often with race relations in the church or outside of the church, it's just a lot of arrogance and pride and mm-hmm. yelling and yelling doesn't help you learn anything my right. hope is we can present things in a way that helps instruct and helps people learn and and there's people with genuine questions mm-hmm. the the culture i think is very volatile around these issues right now right. so we're the reason we bring them up is not to talk down to anyone right. um and if we do we want your feedback we want to know that because we want to do better we want to we want to do it in a way where it's it's re- you can receive it even if you disagree that you still receive it And consider it. The second part of the podcast is we want to talk about a theological issue. So we'd like to hear from you on issues you'd like to talk about. We'd like to do a mailbag section every podcast. So we have an email address set up just for the podcast. It is bwtheology at Mm gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account, bwtheology, at theology. We will follow you back. That way you can send us direct messages mm-hmm. if you want to be anonymous or write something longer uh, than the character count. If
1: you want to say something racist, uh, Do don't not. have an egg. Do not have an egg emoji <laughs> or an egg profile. You're okay. Right. <laughs> <And the> egg. <laughs> if you want to say
0: something racist, I would recommend direct messaging it to us. <laughs> no, no, right. at at me, <laughs> at my name, at Tyler
1: P. Saint. Yeah.
0: So, we want to hear from you uh, because I think what will make this podcast successful and interesting is to have interaction mm-hmm. from listeners, from uh, my parents, from Kyle. Hi, Jim. From... <laughs> you got anybody that's going to be listening that you're bringing in? I hope so. That I can. Will your wife listen?
1: Probably, maybe not. Probably
0: yeah, not. my wife won't listen. Yeah. They're not very supportive. We'll recruit somebody. They won't hear this, so gonna, we can could, we could talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to hit the streets, man. We're going to recruit some, some listeners. We
1: do. We need to do
0: that. Yeah. So, uh, first thing we're going to do for the preview episode, we're not going to talk about an issue, but we're going to
1: talk about some of the issues mm-hmm. that
0: we are going to talk about. Mm-hmm. What are some issues you want to talk about, Tyler?
1: Um, One thing, one theological issue... Um, that I'm working out. So um, we're part of, X, our church is Cornerstone Church Detroit. We're part of Acts 29, um, and we would consider ourselves more reformed in theology. What What does it look like for a re- reformed church um, to do complementarianism well, <clears throat> excuse me, complementarianism well, um, and do it in a way that empowers women, does it in a, does it in a way that doesn't suppress the gifts of women because I've seen uh, complementarianism done very poorly in churches that wave the reform banner. Um, so as a church, we're we're we're, we're figuring that out, and because we want to empower our women to to make disciples and to lead and to uh, be on mission. Um, so yeah, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think. And w- as you hear yeah. these topics, if you're listening, these are things we'd like to
0: hear from you on. You don't have to send in questions. You can send in your thoughts, your comments. That topic I'll, I'll give as a teaser really was almost like a church split issue for mm. us. And so, um, yeah, I approach it with much sensitivity, mm-hmm. uh, much more than I used to. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people, I don't think people realize. Some people realize how deep of like a church split issue that 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 can be yeah and how deep yeah. some of those wounds go so yeah we want to hear from you men or women mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. send us an email or or a message and uh, we'd love to in- incorporate that
1: in yeah. when we do talk about that mm-hmm. um let me see what other thing i would kind of maybe we can talk about this a little bit um like two weeks ago or we can have and a have a week two weeks ago Um, The MLK 50 conference happened and it was I was just kind of sitting on the sidelines and watching much, much heated debate go back and forth. Um, It was funny that, you know, there was a lot of flack uh, from things that were said. And then the the following week was the T4G conference Mm -hmm. and uh, David Platt and Matt Chandler and Ligan Duncan talked openly about race. And I didn't see the same pushback. Hmm. so it's just you know is it is it uh is it only palatable when it's delivered in a nice package by a, a polished uh white Presbyterian man
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know as opposed to a maybe a black man that is frustrated right and passionate and vehement about these issues because these are these are issues that he's facing face to face in his ministry context so um that was interesting to me. Uh, yeah, it's just a ton of things um, because we don't realize. So uh, one thing I hear people say is, you know, I just read the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just read the Bible and I see what's in the Bible. We don't realize that our culture and our context and our experience uh, color, uh, pun intended, the way we read Scripture and mm-hmm. the, way we, the way we view complementarianism, the way we view uh, diversity in the church. Our experiences speak to that. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 just a lot of different things. We could, we could talk to, talk about why you have a Joyce Meyer book on your shelf. I do not. <laughs> they, someone,
0: our church just moved and all my books, I don't even know where that came from. Sure. We just moved buildings and this is the first day, literally the first day I've worked in my office, which yeah. is the first day, by the way, in 12 years I've ever had an office. Don't so, change the subject. That's pretty good. So we're sitting here looking at my books, and I tell Tyler, some of these books aren't even mine. They just got added in in the yeah. move, like random books. And there is a Joyce Meyer book with her face on the binding, which really I should have done on my book. It's a slight, see no. the sideways promotion there, Tyler? No. Do you like that? Of my I'm going to ignore that. So he yeah. has
1: John Perkins on the same shelf with Joyce Meyer. He, he, he reads widely.
0: One thing we do want to do now that you mention that, yeah. I can tell you this. I'll give, uh, how about this as a, as a good transition? I've never actually read a Joyce Meyer book, right? And you should. And I've never heard her speak. And you should. Uh, I have never read a Joel Osteen book. Oof. I've listened to a couple minutes of a sermon. Hi, yeah, yeah. Now, this is the thing. It's easy for me. I know very little about Joyce Meyer. I know a bit more about Osteen. I did a couple blog posts about him and his teaching and things like that. It's easy to just rip on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we approach these subjects, one thing we, we will try to do in the future is to analyze one of his sermons. Oh boy. I don't know if we could read a book. I'd
1: like to analyze one of yours. I'd be fine with that.
0: <laughs> I'd be fine with that. It will be as biblical as I can make it. Uh, what we want to show people, though, black and white theology, the second part of the meaning, I don't think I said this yet, is there that some theology truly is black and white Mm -hmm. Uh, that the Bible says something that is correct and if you say something outside of that you are incorrect yes and in our culture even in the Christian culture today it's it seems very unfriendly to point that out and that wasn't the case in the Bible Uh, there's a verse that I I take very seriously it's uh, Titus 1 9 its instructions to elders And it's saying he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it Mm -hmm. has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Mm -hmm. And when we do talk about sound doctrine, there is black and white. There's also some gray, right? There is some gray. Not ever in the Bible even tells us there's going to be some gray. Mm -hmm. It tells us we see through a glass darkly. It tells us Mm -hmm. there's secret things that belong to the Lord. Yeah. But also when we hear doctrine that is not sound, we are to refute it. And so uh, there's a lot of people who like Joel Osteen, and, and, um, and we'd like to hear from you. So, again, let us know what it is you like about him. Um, but we're going to look at some of these books, whether it's a Joyce Meyer or a Stephen Furtick or a Joel Osteen or Creflo Dollar, and say... Wait, something's wrong with Creflo Dollar's <laughs>
1: teacher? No, maybe not. Right. Well, <laughs> but you know what's funny to cut you, <laughs> to cut you off. It's it's funny. Um, yes, there is. It's it's there is a um, what we call the prosperity gospel, and it's God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have all these possessions. But there is a there is a a gospel. I call it a gospel of comfort. That's a lot more subtle. That is pervasive in a lot of churches. Um, it's not outright you know what we would consider prosperity, but it's it's a gospel of comfort, it's a gospel of of ease, and it's not the same gospel of Jesus, take up your cross, mm-hmm. die, follow me. It's not the same gospel of paul um that he talks about. In 2 um, Corinthians uh, 5, how we're compelled by the love of Christ, that now we are, our old life is dead. Now we're ambassadors of Christ. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We have we have a ministry. We have a task. We have a new identity in Christ. Um, so there is a much more subtle gospel of comfort, a gospel of ease, a gospel of God wants you to, uh, God wants to smile on you and and bless your dreams and all that stuff. That is a lot more subtle than the outright Creflo Dollar Joel Osteen stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So,
0: and what's interesting related to that on the other side of the coin, there's a poverty gospel mm-hmm, as mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. and we can get into that. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And there's a stream where it's it's if you if you aren't poor if you if you haven't if you own anything if you have any possession that's Mm -hmm. nice if you buy something new then you're not a real christian yep yep and so uh yeah
1: that's a that's a tradition that i came out of mm -hmm. i came out of uh i was in uh, in the church of god in christ for about eight years and it was that it was that poverty gospel it was that guilt-laden um legalism mm-hmm. that, you know, I thought was uh I thought was the right way until I really read the Bible. Like, wait a minute. Right. Yeah. You know, there's times that God wants to to bless me to 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 be a blessing to the body. God wants to do these things in my life and do these things in our church. Not for my own comfort, not for my own uh gain but to to share with the body of Christ. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: A few other things we'll hit on. I mean for me I grew up in a Baptist church I would say, I mean, now our church we're non-denominational. I've come to appreciate certain things about reform doctrine, Mm -hmm. and there's also things because I didn't I didn't grow up Reformed, and and I really I had one seminary professor, uh, Dr. Mike Whitmer, who's a great professor. He's written several books that I would recommend. In in a nutshell, he convinced me. I don't want to say he convinced me, but he showed me enough where i said okay this is really biblical mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff right but then within that i have people close to me that there's some legitimate critiques or questions about reformed theology and and on this podcast we're going to go through some of those for one i think there's a real caution there's there's some reformed folks who and when we say reformed we don't just mean the Reformed Church of America or the Christian Reformed right, Church. Right. Just that, We're talking yeah. about the broader mm-hmm. Calvinism right. movement, uh, which you kind of have a gamut of denominations mm-hmm. that would fall under. But there is some arrogance out there.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, there's yeah. some
0: arrogance. I've seen that. I've seen it where people don't really reform. Folks often don't want to associate with other believers yeah. who might not be reformed. And I don't think that's right or biblical. Right. There's some legitimate questions to be worked through. A superiority. Superiority. of superiority. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. then there's some significant questions, too, such as, well, if God's in control of everything, then he's, he's making all these bad things happen, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if God's in control of everyone getting saved and choosing who gets saved, well, then why would I evangelize? And there's some good philosophical questions that are raised that right. I think it would be good for mm-hmm. us to work through. And so I'd like to do that. I would like to go through the tulip and and kind of give the in, in my opinion kind of the pro and the con and mm-hmm. and here's what's really sound biblically and here's here's what's here's where the other side of the coin's coming from that we also need to consider. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I would like I said I would consider myself um, more reformed. Um, like I said, we're part of Acts twenty nine, um, but there there are brothers in Acts twenty nine that would consider themselves cessationist, Like don't believe in the 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 gifts and some of the working of the holy spirit mm-hmm. and i and i and I don't agree yeah. with that, so yeah, that's another e- topic yeah even in even in that. reformed uh even in reformed camps there are some some variants on these different things, yeah. yeah, and that's
0: another great topic in and of itself is tongues and and the idea of being a cessationalist is mm-hmm. that they have ceased, and we'll talk about that because I grew up in a cessationalist mm-hmm. church, and um the church I pastor now is is a mix of those things, yeah. And that's been a good journey for me to be on, and I'm not a cessationalist. Neither am I. Uh, and but we want to look at the Bible and say, what's black and white? Mm-hmm. Some of the verses I was given growing up, when I was older and read them later, I thought, <laughs> wow, that's out of context. <laughs> like, really? Where'd you get that from? And I, and as I say that, even as we laugh, I don't I don't mean to mock the right. cessationist view. All. I really don't because yeah. we'll give the other side of it too. We're just kind of previewing it, but there's yeah. there really is two sides of it where.
1: There's um, two extremes.
0: Yeah. There's tongue speakers and et cetera, And they aren't doing it biblically at all. Yeah, I've seen and it.
1: I've seen it abused. It yeah. Coming out of coming out of Pentecost. So I've been all over the place. I grew up United Methodist um, as a child, but I was wrong as two two left shoes and didn't become a Christian until I was nineteen. Then I was in a Baptist church, and then I was in the Church of God in Christ, and I did, so I kind of been all over the place. Mm-hmm. I've seen the the frozen chosen. Where it's father, son, holy bible, where the spirit is not even <laughs> yeah. spirit spirit is not even acknowledged. Yeah. And I've also seen the wild charismania where people prayed for, you know, miracles and the tarrying for the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and tongues abused and people praying that, you know, your feet grow and just mm-hmm. bananas things. Mm-hmm. So I've I've seen <laughs> seen seen it abused on both sides. Yeah. So.
0: And there's just so much good stuff that we can talk, that needs to be talked about. And mm-hmm. I think a podcast is a, hopefully a safe place for you as a listener to interact with us. Because in the church, sometimes it feels like you can't or you get excommunicated from <laughs> your church. But these are, these are conversations that happen in seminaries on a regular basis and are written about on a regular basis. But even looking at the Holy Spirit, looking mm-hmm. at healings, looking at how we pray. And there's two extremes about how we pray. There's an extreme right. of like... Well, if you prayed for something and you have enough faith, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. And there's verses that can be can be kind of bent to, to seem like it might say that. And so if you pray for something and it doesn't happen, well, then you're a bad Christian. Right. Or God doesn't love you. Or, or you God don't have is, enough faith. God is bad. Right. But then you can go down too far. That line for me where I got so cynical of that, it was just like, well, I'm never going to pray for anything then. <laughs> like, right. Life is just full of suffering and we live in a fallen world and get over it. And right. that's not biblical either because God is still working miracles and Mm-hmm. And uh, that's for sure, and and so there's there's some great biblical black and white I think on both of those, and there's also some gray area on on some of those. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, with the black and the white and the gray, I think there's some things we can call out as that is not biblical. Mm-hmm. But the Bible's black and white here. That's not biblical. Then there's right. things that are gray that we can say like we just need to respect both sides mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and, and be civil and be civil yeah. and know that we're all believers. And 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 frankly, I'm in several pastor groups. Some of them are groups where everybody agrees about everything. And there's yeah. some strength to that. There's yeah. also some weakness to it. Yeah. And even within those groups, there's some major weaknesses within those groups. There's other groups where I'm there and I take a humble approach to the things we don't agree on. Mm-hmm. And I'm there for the the community and the fellowship and the unity of the body. And right. I have my limits, right? I have my limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about some of those things. And for some, their limits are going to be in different places. right? Views about homosexuality, uh, the, the conversation on that topic is so different today than it was even five years ago, for real, yeah. uh, 10 years ago. I mean, the, the limits are changing for people, but I think you have your limits of saying this is black and white in scripture and this isn't right. Uh, and that'll be a great topic to talk about as well. So if you have more topics you ha- that we didn't mention that you'd like to talk about, let us know. And if there's any that we just talked about that you want to interact with us on, at BW Theology on Twitter and then at uh, BWTheology at gmail.com. Today, for our race relations topic, we're going to introduce it with a, it's about four minutes, four minute video. You'll just hear the audio of it. It is from Fox 2, which is a Detroit news station. And Tyler, why don't you give us just a, a quick synopsis of the story? Your neck of the woods but has made national headlines
1: yeah um long story short um young young black man uh, i believe he's 14 um missed mrs bus and he stopped at a house that had a neighborhood watch sign on it to knock and to get um directions and he was met with uh, a very a very bad response um he was knocking on the door saying hey i'm just looking for directions and the woman assumed that he was attempting to break into the house. Uh, husband comes down and with a shotgun and shoots at him as he ran away. Um, thankfully, by God's grace, this young man was not killed um, because this um, could have ended a lot worse. So, uh, yeah, it's just very, very, very unfortunate. Thank goodness the, the man was arrested. And it sounds like uh, Oakland County is going to prosecute uh, heavily. But it's just it's very unfortunate that this is the reality um that you are um often as a black man viewed as a threat viewed inherently yeah. as evil inherently as a threat inherently wrong uh just because of size because his mom if you read the article his mom says you know as a black man, if you don't look your age, you're automatically viewed as a threat and you you're viewed as um uh, you know viewed as someone who's going to do ill just because of your size, just because of uh, your complexion. So uh, it could have ended a lot worse, but it's, I'm sure this young this is going to be a situation that sticks with this young man uh, for the rest of his life.
0: So what you'll first hear is Randy Wimbley from Fox Two. Shouts to my man Randy, who goes to the church that sent out you. Yes, right? sir. Shouts right. to Restore Church. So listen in, and then we'll give you our thoughts.
2: Yeah, guys, seemingly fear. This young man says he overslept and missed the bus, so he tried to walk the bus route to school but got lost. He didn't have his phone with him, so he knocked on someone's door for directions and almost paid for it with his life.
1: I'm kind of happy that I didn't become like a statistic.
2: 14 year old Brendan Walker is fortunate to be alive. He was almost gunned down Thursday morning asking for directions to Rochester High School. Happened right outside of this house on South Christian Hills in Rochester Hills. Got to the house and I knocked on the lady's door. And then she started
1: yelling at me and she was like, Why are you trying to break into my house? And I was trying to explain to her that I was k- trying to get directions to Rochester High and she uh, kept yelling at me. The guy came downstairs um, and then he grabbed the gun and I saw it and then I started to run and then that's when I heard the gunshot.
2: Thankfully, he missed. BRENNAN KEPT RUNNING, HID, THEN CRIED. OAKLAND COUNTY SHERIFF DEPUTIES ARRIVED SOON AFTER AND TOOK THE WOMAN'S HUSBAND INTO custody. YOUR SON ALMOST BECAME A HASHTAG. ALMOST BECAME, EXACTLY, AND THAT'S EXACTLY HOW
1: I FEEL, LIKE WOW, BECAUSE YOU WERE TRYING TO GET TO SCHOOL. I FOUND OUT LATER THAT um, THE ONLY REASON HE MISSED IS BECAUSE HE FORGOT TO TAKE THE SAFETY OFF.
2: THE FAMILY'S RING DOORBELL RECORDED THAT NEAR DEADLY ENCOUNTER. INVESTIGATORS SHOWED BRENNAN AND HIS MOM LISA THE VIDEO. IT CONFIRMED THEIR suspicions.
1: ONE OF THE THINGS THAT STANDS OUT THAT PROBABLY ANGERS ME THE MOST IS WHILE I WAS WATCHING THE TAPE, YOU COULD HEAR THE WIFE SAY WHY DID THESE PEOPLE CHOOSE MY HOUSE? WHO ARE THESE PEOPLE? AND THAT'S WHAT THAT SET ME OFF. BECAUSE I DIDN'T WANT TO BELIEVE IT WAS WHAT IT APPEARED TO, be, to
2: LOOK LIKE. And then when I heard her say that, it was like, "Oh, but it is." These people are offended by that comment. These people don't want people that think that way living in our community. Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard. I mean, it's just absurd that this happened, and I feel terrible for the young man. I feel terrible for the mom and the, the anxiety that they had to go through. And we're going to ask for every charge permissible for this guy. Who stepped out and fired a shotgun because somebody knocked on his door. And right now, that man is being held here at the Oakland County Jail. He will likely be arraigned late tomorrow. Hugh TARYN? Well, Randy, it's a sad statement about society right now. But what about this homeowner? Did he say anything about
1: uh, to authorities about what happened and what may have provoked him to do this?
2: Well, he heard his wife uh, yelling at someone at the door, so he ran down the stairs and got his shotgun and and tried to shoot this young man. The entire encounter was uh, picked up on the ring doorbell camera, so uh, investigators, the sheriff's office, they were able to look at that and to get a good idea, obviously, of what happened. And so that's what's going to lead ultimately to uh, charges for this uh, man who's now being held at the Oakland County Jail. Uh, Something interesting, uh, when I asked this young man why did he stop at that house, he said he saw a neighborhood watch sticker uh, on the house and thought that would be a safe place to go. Mm, Yeah,
1: you would think. All right, thank you, Randy, for that live report.
0: So the first thing that I think of with this story is this feels on surface level like a safe story for white people to get behind. So obviously what I mean by that is obviously it's bad and racist to shoot at someone who's asking for directions at your door because they are black. I I think this would be a harder story to, to spin um, than some of the, uh, some some prominent, let's say police brutality ones. This Mm -hmm. doesn't involve a police officer, right? This Mm -hmm. was just like, this dude in Rochester Hills and we could say, man, that was very racist. And, and maybe others are out there trying to defend him. I don't know. This seems a little harder to defend this guy that did the shooting. I think it's very important that that isn't the only conversation happening. Mm-hmm. Cause I think you can pat yourself on the back and say, Oh yeah, that was bad. Okay. I'm not, I'm, I don't even like using the words. Like I'm not racist because people define that word. So, um, narrow in such a Mm -hmm. narrow way but there's something deeper going on here Mm -hmm. what is it like to be a black man in a white neighborhood i think that's the deeper conversation right what's it like to be in rochester hills as a black man Mm -hmm. and that's something that needs to be talked about i mean you spent considerable time was it in midland i believe you know for college and um (laughs) you know those are things where a lot of white folks listening and again when we approach these issues where we're just it's to me it's it's just saying let's all put down our weapons that the our political radio has told us to to wear uh-huh. let's all turn turn that off let's just all the preconceptions we have we've been we've been taught things like. Well, it's all about individual responsibility and if you talk about systemic issues, you're not talking about individual responsibility. Mm-hmm. we're not we're, or it's
1: anti-gospel. Anti-gospel yeah, just you, talk about Jesus. You're forsaking the gospel. So, so
0: we're 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 just saying um there's two sides to things and and we're not taking we're, we we understand that and we want to be comprehensive in this. But how would a white person living in a white neighborhood, which is what I grew up in? Mhm. How would a white person living in a white neighborhood know what it was like to be black living in a white neighborhood? <laughs> There's no way we would know. No way. There's yeah. no. And I would really just calmly and humbly, and with love, ask white listeners to ask themselves that question.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's kind of it kind of goes back to the the whole M L K fifty conference and a lot of the pushback on different things that were said. And it's, I I hate, I, I'm trying to say this in the least Tyler way possible. Um, I have a problem when, excuse me, I have a problem when I hear my white brothers and sisters. So, you know, black and white. So say this is, and this isn't racist Mm -hmm. or this is, or this isn't. Uh, discrimination. This is or this isn't prejudice. What's w- w- such uh, so vehemently? Because I don't think necessarily that you're the one that right. can s- yeah. slam that gavel and say what is racism yeah. um, as you know in the majority in the majority uh, context. I don't think you can say that so vehemently because you are—you've never experienced the things mm-hmm. I put on Facebook when I reposted this article. I said I wish my white brothers and sisters can feel the constant fear, the constant mm-hmm. anxiety, the constant tension, uh, the the constant uh, hostility. It is that you begin feeling as a thirteen, fourteen-year-old black man mm-hmm. in this country, and you yeah. die with. Yeah. You can't, you can't tell me what is and what isn't racism or prejudice, uh, so so vehemently because you you've never wore, you never wore this. You know, I I've been you know, he referred to my time in uh, in Midland. I was uh, in school for a year and a half. I got pulled over for my license plate missing a screw. That's right. not an exaggeration. I got pulled over for back tire pressure being low. Mm-hmm. You know, I got pulled over and, have, and, and, and was cuffed and laid on the ground on Saginaw Road and had the front end and my bumper torn off my car because they were looking for drugs. And I laid on the ground for 15 minutes
0: mm-hmm.
1: in cuffs. So th- these are things that I have experienced in real life. Yeah. Uh, so that bothers me. And, you know, just reading this article and, and seeing this young man's story, that could be my son. Right. because his in the article his mother references references the fact that he doesn't look his age. Mm-hmm. My son is 11 year 11 years old. He doesn't look like an 11 year old. I'm 6'3", my wife is 5'10". Th- these are the fears that I that I wrestle mm-hmm. with that my son is going to be a, a large black man mm-hmm. that possibly gets pulled over by police with multiple cars. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's what I experienced. Yeah. So yeah, to your point, we need to listen and I would love to see my, my white brothers and sisters take the role, the, the more active role of, of listener. Um, was it James 1? I can't remember the verse. James chapter 1 says, Be slow to speak, quick to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see that more oftenly instead of saying, oh, well, we dismissed Dr. King. We dismissed the Dr. King conference because Dr. King uh, had adulterous relationships and his theology was messed up. Why are we celebrating this person? And just different things that I that I read and different things that I saw from people who profess to know and follow Jesus. Yeah. H- how can you dismiss? be so dismissive? How can you take this approach and you have no idea what it's like mm-hmm. to, like this young man, seek help? Yeah and be met with bullets
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah and under that one of the things you said are at, there at the beginning about white folks who think that they are able to decide what is racist or what isn't racist mm-hmm. and what I've observed is that comes from and so I'm, I'm asking white folks here to see if you agree with me on this and then if so to push yourself past this so we we've learned we've just been conditioned to define racism as an individual mm-hmm. encounter so yeah if you use the n-word you're racist mm-hmm. if you're in the kkk you're racist right. so a lot of the, the, and I don't say this in a mocking way, but people are like, well, I have a black friend. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I look at my my school system growing up. Troy, Ohio, is a suburb of Dayton, and we always had a handful of black students in our class. In a class of thirty, you'd have one, maybe two black Oof. students. You know, the rest white. Our graduating class, three hundred and thirty. I don't know off the top of my head, but maybe ten. Students that were black uh, like 330 right I can't imagine that and it wasn't <laughs> like and, and so a white person's definition of racism is well that would be racist if like the white students were calling them the n-word right right um, or if like teachers weren't helping them with their homework but they were helping the white kids and that's how it would have been back in the 50s or 60s mm-hmm. and yeah we praise God that we're not there anymore right but that is we we have to realize that that is a very elementary understanding of what racism is it's a very narrow understanding of what racism is that even though i had i was friends with those black students and some of them were excellent athletes were the star athletes oh imagine that at our school right <laughs> And so, can imagine and, that. And so then what would happen is it, they would almost, and you could easily say, well, they're not mistreated. They're, they're seen as like, they're adored, you know, sort, sort of thing. Mm. Almost like a celebrity because of the athletic prowess that, that some of them had. And then you talk to a black student who's been in an all-white environment about race and listen... And the only—it's so hard for a white person to ever experience that because we are the majority, you're right? And we've uh, not just numerically, but historically, and these are just historical things. You don't—you can reject historical fact if you want, yeah. But I mean, our country was built off of racism. It mm-hmm. was built off of racism that put white people in power and kept them there. And yeah. you are starting with the Native Americans and then moving into African American slavery and. Um, you know, that's that's bred into the foundation of who we are. Yes, yeah, in the a, DNA yeah. as a country. And so, for me as a white person, I have I attended an all black church uh, during my sabbatical, um, and that was the only time I'd ever been the only white person in a room of three hundred black people. Mm. It was uncomfortable, mm. right? I, I I felt like I sh- I was shining. <laughs> Mm. i was glowing right i had to leave early i, I had a meeting and they, the service was going a little bit longer than i thought we oh, do that, that. <laughs> yeah. and when i left early what i was thinking was oh great they're all going to think i'm leaving early because i didn't like the service mm. or i don't like black people or whatever right and i'll say this most white people have never even had that experience yeah as as little of an experience as that is And what white people don't realize is that that is every single day Mm -hmm. of a black person's life or a person of color's life. It's every day. It's glowing. It's being like, I'm the only black person in the room. And this is a white room. Things are being done in a white way. And all the people in leadership I'm seeing are white. And we are the culture who's always been in power and yeah. so we carry a certain power dynamic into things mm-hmm. whether we want to or not so Th-
1: that's why that's why that's why you know white brothers speak so emphatically yes. this why, yeah this why this why this is not racism yeah. because you've been able to We've determine been the
0: ones that determines everything forever yeah, yeah. you know
1: it's, and it's and this the the whole like my my blackness isn't a subconscious reality it's, it's, I'm constantly aware. I was driving up 96. Yeah. And the whole time I was driving up 96, I'm looking at my speed because I know f- starting around Milford, uh, Brighton, especially in Howe, that's where the state police are. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly looking at my uh, <laughs> speedometer while white cats burn past me yeah. <laughs> going up 96. I'm not going over the speed limit. I'm constantly, I'm constantly aware of my reality uh, as a black man in this country. That's not something I, it's not a subconscious thing. I realize mm-hmm. it because I realize that if I go five, 10 over and I see a state police officer sees me, it's a good chance I'm gonna get pulled over by the state police. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a reality that we face that, that it's not something we shrug off it's not something we take on and off you know and this young dude this dude was 14 years old mm-hmm. we, you begin to become aware of that very mm-hmm. early it's not just as an adult you, be, yeah. you become you become aware of that uh, as a young man so yeah it, i i would love to see more and more uh i i i, and I, I say more so uh, white men, because I think women understand it, white women understand it, mm-hmm. because, because th- they felt similar experience being a woman. Yeah. They, they felt discrimination and they felt uh, being marginalized mm-hmm. as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I, I've, had, I've <laughs> had better conversations more often with white women than white men. But it's, yeah, it's, it's listen, listen and uh, listen and observe and, and take the role of the student. Yeah, take the role of you know. Okay, maybe maybe I don't know what I think I know about race. Let mm-hmm. me ask. Uh, let me ask a black man. Let me ask a black woman yeah. w- about some of their experiences. Yeah, you know. It, it, and then, and sadly, I see this. It's worse in the church, mm-hmm. in, in my experience. You know, often I'm not going to paint with a broad brush, but these conversations go worse in the church than they do in in secular spaces. Mm-hmm. You can speak more openly often in secular uh, mm-hmm. spaces and have better conversation and have more empathy, yeah. have more compassion uh, in secular spaces than with uh, people who name the name of Jesus Christ, which is extremely unfortunate. Yeah.
0: There was a conversation on my Facebook wall about an article I just did. Uh, did a couple on, on race this week and one white male who's grown up like me, you know, mostly around all, around all white people for the most part. just made a statement that the US is one of the least racist countries. <laughs> how do you say that in the world is what he said. And
1: how do you even my, quantify that? My, <laughs> my
0: my response was and again I'm trying to yeah. It's the reason I don't even like talking about this stuff because yeah. these are hard things cuz like I want to be loving. It's easy. It's really easy to just be like, "You're
2: an idiot," <laughs> you know.
0: And that's that doesn't
1: make any sense, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: So what I tried to get him to see was, you have to look at our history. Mm-hmm. Nobody can deny what's in the history books. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you just—it's Native Americans to slavery to the Civil Rights Movement, the 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 water fountains, you know, Jim Crow laws. Mm-hmm. At least up until there, you you have to say. That is bona fide fact. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Everybody has to admit to that. Mm-hmm. And then to say, okay, if that's how it's always been for that period of time. Mm-hmm. White people in power over black people and other people of color. Mm-hmm. Who gets to decide when that oppression is over? Mm-hmm. Does the oppressor one day get to look out? at their all-white neighborhood and say, oh, yeah, racism's over, oppression's over. Mm-hmm. Or is it the person of color who gets to look out at the nation yeah. and say, okay, racism is now over? Yeah. I mean, I'm just really trying to be objective here. In logical, <laughs> And there's got to be, like, a metaphor I can think of. It's like, if the dog's always chasing the cat and is beating up on the cat, who gets to decide if that's... Who gets to determine... The beating up has stopped. Right. If the cat says, "I'm still getting beat up," mm-hmm. and the dog's like, "No, you're not." The cat's the one getting beat up. I right. mean, it's the that that that's that's a bad analogy, but I just it's I think there's an analogy yeah. out there that like that that can show the logic of it, <clears throat> that. In that, and this is a whole other topic we might get into another time. But kneeling for the flag and and, mm-hmm. and, and the the, play, uh, the the national anthem and those sorts of things. What I wish, what, if if I was president. What I would say, oh, boy. Is,
1: I would say. <laughs> I was getting ready to say something about the president, but I caught it. Good job. That's growth.
0: I would say, you know, instead of having a big argument about does Colin Kaepernick should he kneel or not, and should the flag represents the military and this and that, what if we listened to mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick yeah. and the others? Who, who have kneeled for the flag. Mm-hmm. We had four black um, football players kneel here in Lansing that go to a almost all-white Catholic high school. Oh, wow. And uh, they were benched. And, wow. Uh, two of them transferred, wow. I believe. Wow, I didn't know that. I forgot to look at the story. They, suspension was threatened. Mm. I don't know if they're... But, uh, but a big deal. And so what if instead of punishing and even, or even having the debate about should you kneel or not for the anthem because it represents this and this, we said... Why are you kneeling? Yeah, why? Okay, there's oppression in our country. Okay, let's make a country where you don't have to kneel anymore. Yeah.
1: Let's make it so there is no more oppression. Or ask, where, where is the oppression? Yeah, and, and then let's yeah like, and
0: put you in power yeah. to help us make it so you as a person of color can look at the flag and say, this is my country too.
1: The, and what, what you said is a perfect analogy of what we're talking about. And what happened during that, the most powerful person in this country spoke yeah. emphatically called these men s o b s and you know mysteriously toward the end of the season this whole kneeling thing kind of went away because those owners were like who were predominantly 55 60 year old white yeah. millionaires yeah jerry jones jerry jones b- 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 spoke b- billionaires. yeah yeah billionaires yeah uh jerry jones spoke out and then the the owner of the Houston Texans Used the phrase "We can't let the quote inmates run the asylum." Yeah, and then a couple weeks ago, said he wished he didn't apologize for saying that. So here, 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 here's when when you're allowed when when the majority is always allowed to write the narrative, mm-hmm. is always allowed to write the rules without the input of the minority. This is why this mm-hmm. is why we have what we have. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy.
0: And I'll say this: this is kind of. Maybe my concluding thought to this conversation is we there's something about human psychology and maybe someone who's majored in psychology could could email us and tell us about this. But we love taking sides like we mm-hmm, love verses. Mm-hmm. So even right. as you're talking and I can think about what a white brain would respond to several of the things you said. I cannot do that. Right. <laughs> and This is where I hope what we can do in this podcast is help white folks and people of color, to we need to transcend, especially as believers, right. we need to transcend all of the verses that are out there. Right. By verses, I don't mean Bible verses, I mean Republican versus Democrat, Right. conservative, conservative liberal. versus yeah. liberal. When you are talking about being pull, not wanting to go over the speed limit because you got pulled over by a state trooper, uh, a, a, a narrative that's developed and, and I'm not saying one side or the other is a blame for it. It's just the way humans are wired. It's police versus black. So you mm-hmm. have signs that say police lives matter as a critique or maybe even mockery but a co- to combat black right. lives matter. Mm-hmm. And, and my point to that is when Tyler explains he doesn't go over the speed limit in that area because of state troopers, what I would ask, and I hope to tr- help train Christian responsible mature white folks who really want to grow in this area is not to allow that knee-jerk reaction to come right. into your ear which says Tyler just said all police are bad. Right. He right. didn't say that. Mm-hmm. He just said that if he speeds in that area he'll get pulled over. Right. He gave you some examples of some police that are bad mm-hmm. there are many who aren't
1: bad, many many who aren't bad and
0: right. within the many that aren't bad they still do work within a system that if you look at history mm-hmm. we cannot deny things like lynchings right ferguson didn't burn because of michael brown right ferguson burned because of lynchings yep because of things like Emmett Till, because of a history where whites in authority, police officers and others, were able to do whatever they want to black people. Same thing with Detroit in 67. Yes, the Mm -hmm. Detroit riots. uh, Black Christian told me about this, uh, the big four. Who Oof. would go through <laughs> yep. Detroit mm-hmm. in a in a this a, a Monte Carlo a big vehicle? I forget yeah. what he said a Caprice, something like that. Yeah, it's Caprice and, probably. Yeah. Uh, and they would four white officers, I believe, two in the front and two in the back. Yeah, and they big would four. Yeah. Oh yeah. Get out with billy clubs and just beat black men that were standing around. And there, there's so much history to it. But my point Oof. is yeah. that when someone makes a statement about something going on today. Mm-hmm. That we need to not make the knee-jerk reaction of saying, well, they're just complaining, or the knee-jerk reaction of, oh, they're saying all police are bad. Right. What we are saying is there needs to be reform within the police system. And mm-hmm. that's something we'll get – and it's happening. And a lot of white police officers yep. and chiefs are saying yep. these things, and we praise God for that. Thankful, It's yeah. It's not demonizing Officers who we respect and who serve and protect us to say that that system has a history of oppression to it, just like the white church. And we'll talk about that in another subject. Mm -hmm. Read the book Divided by Faith, and you'll learn the white evangelical church is like that as well. No way are we demonizing the white evangelical church. But we have to be able to be mature enough to critique things and speak truth and even invite that without it being cast aside as right. oh you're demonizing the whole thing.
1: Right. We're not mm-hmm. doing that. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, by no means am I saying every every single experience I've ever had with a police officer is bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. Uh I've had some good ones interactions with police officers. But we can't deny the reality that blacks are policed differently in this country. We can't deny the fact that black men make up maybe 7% of the population but close to forty percent of the prison population, mm-hmm. why is that? Mm-hmm. Why is a black man um, i, I can 't think of the exact statistics off the top of my head, but they are two to three times uh, sentenced uh more harsh than white men that commit the same crimes mm-hmm. you know uh, why is that we We have to look at these things and not just say oh you 're saying all police is bad oh you 're saying uh all black men are criminal no there that's the gray area Mm -hmm. that's the gray that we need to get into Mm -hmm. and not avoid the black and the white uh facts that there are major issues um in predominantly white run denominations Mm -hmm. you know you and i both uh share a past where we were connected with organizations and you look at things it's like huh yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. And hopefully what we can do through this is give some concrete things. Mm-hmm. I know us white folks like concrete things. True. And and that, that's okay sometimes, usually. It's a good and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But there are some concrete things, mm-hmm. like putting people of color in leadership mm-hmm. and in authority and without the knee-jerk of, well, that's affirmative action. No, they're not qualified. You know, all those sorts of things. There's we'll, tons of qualified. We'll, we'll get into that. And mm-hmm. so hopefully what we've done in this preview episode this first episode is is gotten your the cogs spinning in your brain that there's topics you want to hear more about tell us those things maybe you're upset and that's okay too we want to hear that from you we want to hear your perspective we want to treat it fairly absolutely and then and talk through that and so I'm gonna conclude this first episode and and just ask a couple things one we're gonna try pretty hard to put up regular episodes hopefully every other week mm-hmm a little bit to be determined, but hopefully every other week. So we, we do ask you subscribe, and we think that will help this. Previous podcast we've done, it's been very sporadic, and we think it helps the interaction. Hey, we're busy. We are busy. and so we're pastoring churches. If you want us to do this every other week, just send us um, any quantity of money, as long as it's <laughs> three digits and above. You know, you can just start with 100, but anything above that is fine, too. That will help us stay on an every other week basis. Uh Amen. But no, subscribe. Uh, you'll you to the podcast, and then I've mentioned it a couple times. But it'd be cool to be able to actually use the Twitter handle for this specific topic, theological topics as well as uh, race-related topics. Tyler's on Twitter, and I am as well. Yeah, but ma'am. the center point will be at B W Theology, and we will both use that and interact on it with our. Um, and you, you'll find us there as well. And then email us bwtheology@gmail.com, at and let us know if you want something to be asked anonymously we will we are very glad to honor that mm-hmm. um especially on, on sensitive subjects like this so looking forward to hearing more from you uh, as a listener yeah goodbye We got to work on our closing. (laughs) Do you have any good ideas for a closing? Let us know. My man, a few words. also want to give a shout out to James Garden. He has provided the beats for this podcast. Mm -hmm. And you can check out him wherever you stream or download music. James Garden, Mm -hmm. spelled with an I-N at the end. James Garden. So thank you, James. And with that, what's a good good closing line? Love, peace, and soul from Soul Train? I don't know. I like that. I like that black and white theology here's a contest come up with the best ending line for us and we'll send you a dollar i won't send you i'm money. not sending you a dollar <laughs> i'll send you a link to my book
1: oh this guy with this book stuff see you next please time. buy his book goodbye that's that, that could be the closing buy his book and listen to and read his uh freaking blog
0: Tyler, speaking of vlogs, a little teaser. Tyler, can I give a little teaser? No, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> Just stay tuned to Tyler's blog. Tyler P. Speaks. Yeah, ma'am. But we'll talk about the subject next time, hopefully, of Starbucks and their their reaction to them, them being in the national news, two, two black guys getting uh, called the police by a, a white employee because they were waiting on a friend. And, and we'll talk about that. and how, They were loitering, buddy. And how Starbucks reacted yeah. to that. Yeah.
1: And leave it alone. We'll leave it alone. I'll pour water on you. Here you go. Goodbye.